0: Look, Pops and I, we've been worried about all these sudden changes. We know that you're worried about the changes the family's going through.
1: It happens to every family, but I'm telling you, this terrible feeling you're having right now, it's not permanent. It'll be over in four years, maybe eight, but it's, but, but, you know, there's an old saying in the family. It's like a grandfather
0: clock. Exactly. Life is like a grandfather clock. Maybe the pendulum has swung all the way to one side, but before you know it, it'll swing back to the other.
2: That was four years ago. Comedian Stephen Colbert, and now man pretending to be President Joe Biden doing comedy. Lordy, lordy! It is June twenty third, twenty twenty two. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. We are live streaming on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube. Please. Subscribe to our channels, share the videos, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We've got a Ruben Report Locals community Q&A for you today. It is a big mixed bag of interesting things of political nature, of cultural nature, of personal nature, all sorts of stuff. Uh, I am just a few minutes off being electrocuted by a woman that I don't know. That's right. I'm in the middle of getting some therapy on my shoulder. And uh, I just walked into a place, woman electrocuted me, and here I am. So we'll see what happens. Uh quick reminder, guys, Uh, Miami, July 14th, I will be there. I hope you'll be there, too. DaveRubin.com slash events. Uh, We're going to do a live Rubin report, and uh, it will be a blast, I assure you. All right, so I want to do one story before we get to the uh, Q&A today. You know, I haven't done anything, really, on this January 6th farce. The whole thing's a farce. Nothing's going to come of it. All of these crazy people on the cable channels that are talking about it. They're just enraging people even more. They're enraging the enraged class. They're outraging the outraged. They're upsetting the upset. They're only doing it for views. They know nothing's going to come of it. Trump is most likely going to run anyway. They tried to impeach him 20 times. It's all just theater. It's like the show must go on. Nonsense. But the reason I'm even mentioning it right now is because last week, A group of comedians, once again, using air quotes, who work for Stephen Colbert, who is a late night TV show host. He replaced David Letterman, who was a comedian that you didn't need air quotes for. Uh, He is not number one in late night, by the way. That's Greg Gutfeld over there on Fox, who has like three people that work for him. And he's doing a great job. Uh, Anyway, a bunch of comedians who work for Colbert, uh, they in essence broke into the Capitol. They did not have any clearance to go into the Capitol. They broke in and uh, insurrection people, insurrection. We've got some more info from the Daily Wire. New details emerged late on Friday evening about the staffers who work for CBS's The Late Show with Stephen Colbert that were arrested for allegedly illegally entering an office building for the U.S. House of Representatives. Nine individuals were arrested on Thursday night for entering the Longworth House office building, which was closed to the public at that point after they previously had been escorted out of another building for trying to conduct interviews related to the January 6 committee hearings. The group has apparently then roamed the House office buildings unattended for hours, Pergum said, They were arrested near the office of Representative Lauren Boebert from Colorado around 8.30 p.m. and charged with unlawful entry. They were in jail part of the night before being released on Friday. Now, I should tell you in full transparency, I actually know two of those guys. I used to do stand-up comedy back in New York with two of the arrested comedian, and frankly, neither one of them were funny and probably should have been arrested years ago. But Tucker Carlson, Over on Fox News, which is the only cable news channel that people are actually watching, he just demolished Colbert. And I said to the guys, we have to show this because it
3: is chef's kiss beautiful. So how is what Stephen Colbert did different from what the protesters on January 6th have been convicted of doing? That's a very good question. And it's a question that Colbert himself spent the weekend thinking about. His conclusion, well, Unlike Trump voters, Stephen Colbert is a very good person. Therefore, any comparison to Trump voters is not simply ridiculous, it is a moral crime. Watch. Now, it's predictable why
0: these TV talkers are talking like this on the TV. They want to talk about something other than the January 6th hearings on the actual seditionist insurrection that led to the deaths of multiple people and the injury of over 140 police officers, but drawing any equivalence between rioters storming our Capitol to prevent the counting of electoral ballots and a cigar-chomping toy dog is a shameful and grotesque insult to the memory of everyone who died. And it obscenely trivializes the service and the courage the Capitol Police showed on that terrible day.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It was a toy dog. It's shameful! In other words, when you criticize me, You're really criticizing the brave Capitol Police officers who arrested the people who worked for me, the ones who committed the crimes I asked them to commit. And I, for one, will not stand for that. That's what he just said. The
2: shameful sedition. It's like Colbert can't even emote properly. He can't balance that line between comedian and human where he sounds genuine when he's trying to
3: tell you about the people who are killed. Now, what you have there is not so much an explanation. In fact, it doesn't explain anything. Instead, it's a master's class on whiny, rich, liberal self-righteousness. It's a distillation of a worldview that is so concise and so perfect, it is certain to be studied by cultural historians of the future seeking to understand how our civilization collapsed. Not only am I not sorry, you're the criminal for bringing it up. Stop hitting me, he screams as he punches you in the face. (laughs) That is passive aggression taken to the level of art. And anyway, Colbert says, shut up. I'm a a comedian with a toy dog. You can't criticize me. So the question really is, is Stephen Colbert
2: a comedian? That was further destruction of of, uh, Colbert by Tucker. Now here's Stephen Colbert crying. He's overwhelmed after what happened
3: on January
2: 6th.
0: And if you did not know that Joe Biden was getting close to 270, Donald Trump just provided all the proof you will ever need. True story, I'm wearing black tonight because I was getting dressed this afternoon and I thought he might try some shenanigans and it might be fitting to tell jokes while wearing something somber if he goes down that dark path. So we all knew he would do this. What I didn't know is that It would hurt so much.
2: Hold it together, Dave. What I didn't know was watching that was going to be so painful for me and the whole crew here. Everyone's crying. So sad. What happened to comedians after January 6th because of the orange man? Uh, By the way, guys, there was another insurrection yesterday. You're not going to see this one on cable news. Uh, This one from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, the Capitol building over there, uh, was stormed by left wing protesters. Remember, when they bust into a Capitol, when they take over a building, when they violate the law, et cetera, et cetera, it's all good. It's just when you scary, racist white supremacists do it. That we got to have all sorts of hearings, and Liz Cheney gets her panties in a bunch. Uh, all right, we're gonna get to the uh, Ruben Report locals community Q and A. Uh, let's just talk about start mail real quick. You ever wonder how big tech knows so much about you? I got three words for you: free email services. When you click accept on those terms and conditions, you're given that email provider the go ahead to scan and analyze your email. Free email services are data hoarders. If you're done letting big tech make billions by selling your info. In your email, I suggest switching to Startmail. Startmail keeps your email private. Period. Every email can be encrypted even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. When you delete an email in StartMail, it's gone forever, and StartMail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business. If you're already dropping big data hoarders like Facebook and jumping onto less censored platforms, perhaps like locals, then right now is the perfect time to switch to StartMail. Switching to StartMail is seamless, too. You can easily transfer all your current email data so there's no starting from scratch. Startmail is backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. So when you're giving your email to a company, but you want to protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your info and they can be deleted at any time. I keep saying the way forward is to build competitive businesses that support our privacy values, which is why I value the service. That StartMail provides your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Email snoops and scammers are taking advantage of the pandemic as phishing has skyrocketed in the last year. Keep your private information private with StartMail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com/reuben. That's S-T-A-R-T Mail.com/reuben for 50% off your first year. StartMail. Dot com slash Ruben, and now back to me. All right, Reubenreport.locals.com community QA. and Anne Marie says, "What are your birthday plans for this weekend?" That's right, it is my birthday, June 26th, this Sunday. Well, I've been told that I don't know all of the plans, that there may be some sort of surprise cooking, uh, but I do know that the the crew uh, we're going out to dinner tomorrow night. You guys uh, ready to eat some food? Drink some drinks, have some cake, everybody okay? Uh, we're gonna do that. There's a restaurant not too far from here that we checked out a couple of weeks ago that was pretty swank, nice outdoor situation. Uh, so we're gonna do that. And then uh, honestly, my house is just under complete construction right now. There is drywall freaking everywhere. Windows are down. and doors are off the hinges and there's it's just paint everywhere it's just a mess so try to clean up a little bit and hopefully we can get some pool time and relax and then yeah i heard that there's some kind of surprise on the way maybe one other dinner maybe i'll see my uh, my sister and the kids and uh you know 46 years old i've done this 45 times what do i need at this point i honestly i have every i don't even need anything like i'd like to go to home depot i that's all i do anyway i go to home depot i just take little trips to home depot maybe i'll get a Maybe I'll get a nice uh, succulent, that would be nice. A nice succulent, that would be nice. Rimfire says, is there anything you miss about California? I'm getting so fed up, lady about two blocks from me was stopped at a light and a car pulled up next to her uh, and a bunch of men all dressed in black broke her window and stole her bag and these people still voted for Soros back DA Becton. Honestly, there is nothing that I miss about California. There is nothing, uh, that isn't to say that there's nothing good about California. Like I really did love wine country. There was a time that LA was kind of cool. The first time I went to San Francisco, like 15 years ago, it was cool, um, but there was nothing left. The crime, the homelessness, the, home, the encampments. I mean, Michael, what did Santa Monica smell like when we spent that day on tour? We had the off day, we went to Santa Monica for the day. What did it smell like? Crap. I thought you were going to say urinal cakes, but yes, it smelled like a combination of crap and urinal cakes, not just urine, but you know when you go into a bathroom, that other smell where it's urine, but it's covered up by the urinal cake smell and then it's almost a worse smell. That's what Santa Monica, which was one of the most beautiful, spectacular places, a place that anyone would want to live, like your dream would be to live in Santa Monica. I think Three's Company, Jack Ritter and the gals, I think they lived. In santa monica it was a pretty great place mr furley he could have lived anywhere the ropers they didn't have to live there they could they could have chose anywhere they chose santa monica the whole place is a dump and and on top of the taxes and i just love florida did you guys know that i love florida i love florida there was a lizard i went to make the coffee this morning it was a small lizard running around the kitchen and i thought i love florida vika says, in your opinion, why do people post, still post apologies, fake apologies on Twitter when everyone knows it doesn't work? Yeah, we covered a little bit of this earlier in the week when Rain Wilson from The Office, he apologized because he made a trans joke. And then James Patterson apologized because he said that white writers are being discriminated against in the literature industry. I don't know why anyone does it at this point. I guess people are so lost. You know, one of the things is that, that leftism and cancel culture and this whole thing has become an endless hostage situation. So I think it's something like this. Imagine you have like 20 people in a circle and everyone has a gun next to somebody's head. So everyone has a gun, right? And everyone has a gun next to someone's head. And it's like everyone's just waiting for someone to shoot first. And I think one of the things that happens with the left is if you've been part of it, if you've canceled people, if you've called people Nazis and bigots unjustly, um, you know it's not fun. So you, you do it to yourself sort of. So these people, they live in this world, like did Rain Wilson honestly he, he made some joke about chest feeding or something, and then his apology was like, "He's so sorry," and he talked to his trans friends, and it's like you probably don't even have any trans friends, and even if you did, that doesn't mean your apology is honest or worthy of making in the first place or anything else. So I don't know why do they do it? Like these people are just pathetic. Like people are afraid to stand up for themselves. Uh, you know, it's not that you should never apologize. Like, I assure you, I've apologized many times in my life. I don't know if I've ever apologized for something that was uh, not worthy of apologizing for. That That's worse, right? Like, if you do something wrong, if you really wrong somebody, you steal from somebody, you cheat from somebody, you act dishonestly, then you can apologize. But apologizing to an amorphous mob because a bunch of Twitter bots and loser genderless whack jobs and anime freaks on Twitter are upset with you? I will not do that. Shmoo says, Dave, borrowing any unforeseen circumstances, I think it's pretty certain that President Trump will run for the presidency in 2024. Currently, the only two men in the Republican Party that stand a snowball's chance in hell of getting elected to that office are President Trump or Governor Ron DeSantis. I like either one. What do you think of the uh, 2024 Trump-DeSantis run? Well, look, as I've said, first off, I agree with you. Trump is running. Uh, I, from everything I have heard from every indicator out there, Trump is running. I think he's going to feel doubly energized now that this January 6th thing just, you know, fizzled into nothing. It was, it's just like the impeachments. They get their panties in a bunch and then nothing comes of it. They look stupid. They feed, uh, they feed him. It's like just throwing raw meat at the guy, Right. So Trump is going to run. Now, there are reasons that it would be good if Trump runs. He is still a force that is undescribable in a way. What he can do culturally and get people out there and get the base fired up and all of those things. Like, I don't know that anyone else can do that, including DeSantis. The fact that the media hates him so much, the firestorm. But It's also a little bit of this. It's like, we know we're all sort of on the slow descent to hell right now. This this administration, the media, the whole thing, they're just slowly dragging us to leftist socialist hell. Trump coming in is sort of opening up the gates to hell. Now I think you can argue that maybe they should be opened up because it's like the slow descent to hell is no good. The slow descent to hell is sort of like the frog in the slowly boiling pot. And you don't even know once you're cooked, right? Once they're making you into frog's legs to rip it all open again, get the stuff out there and maybe give these guys the, the kill shots, so to speak. I mean that as a metaphor uh, of really defeating this woke bullshit, the cancel culture stuff. Like Trump is probably the best to do that. Now, that being said, Trump has a lot of problems too. Trump has a problem, which is that if he believes that the election was stolen, which he does, I've heard him speak about it firsthand just a couple weeks ago at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, the guy obviously does. It's like, have you done the work to ensure that they won't steal it from you again if that's what you believe? And I don't know that he has. Does does he have enough people behind him, effective people, uh, to run an administration more effectively than last time? I don't know. Um, The other problem, I think this is really his biggest issue, and these are not things that are insurmountable. These are just things that need to be said so that they can be dealt with is that the amount of hate that people have for him, which I think is mostly unwarranted, obviously. If he runs, I would say probably 5 million people, I don't know that we can get an exact number on this, but I would say roughly 5 million people who either wouldn't vote because they're so depressed by Biden or they just don't care to vote or they're on the fence or whatever, just out of hatred for him will vote. That's an issue, that really is an issue. Now, the DeSantis thing, it's like DeSantis has proven himself to be, in essence, I think you could argue that he really is, he's not the president of the nation by title, but he has been the leader of the nation for the last two years. He has been the leader of defending freedom. He has run this state brilliantly. He's in the middle of his own re-election situation. He has a ton of money. Uh, He's done it right. He doesn't care about the media stuff. He's effective. He's hired the right people around him. He has an incredible staff. Um, so he has all the pieces there. The, the, of course, the, the unknown is how do they come to some kind of agreement? Do they have a sit down? Do they have a private moment at Mar-a-Lago or up at the governor's mansion in Tallahassee and figure out what are we going to do? Are you going to run for VP? Are we going to make some agreement here? Do I do it one more time? And then you come in after four years, like um, uh, maybe the best situation. It's probably what I think is that Trump is the the body man, he's the linebacker, pushing everybody out of the way, fighting the media, running the rallies, doing all that. And DeSantis is the running back and goes right through and scores the touchdown. That probably makes the most sense. Point being, Biden sucks, the Democrats blow, I think we got a chance. Cobalt says, how many different areas of Florida have you traveled to and what was a memorable thing about each area? You know, I've been pretty much everywhere, mostly Southeast Florida, obviously, because that's the area I am. But I've been up to Tallahassee. Uh, I've been up to Orlando, spent a lot of time on the West Coast in Sarasota. That's where Rumble and locals are now. Uh, I love the Southwest beaches like the Naples area. There is a beach on that side. I don't want to say what beach it is because it's just remote and quiet and peaceful. And I don't want everybody getting there and ruin it for me. Uh, but, uh, I do love the vibe of Southwest Florida, Florida. It's a little more calm, pleasant. You know, you're on the Gulf side, not on the Atlantic side. So the water is a little bit different. I was there a couple of weeks ago, just really warm and pleasant, not as wavy. Um, I, I just love Florida. I love Florida. The only area that I haven't been to yet, and I've never been to in my life is, uh, the Panhandle. I just haven't been up there yet. It just hasn't worked out yet. But I know there's some gorgeous beaches up there. People keep telling me that I got to get up there. I would like to visit Pensacola because I uh, love the movie Contact, and uh, as you know, when she meets the aliens, it's in Pensacola. Of course, you know that. Uh, so it would be good to go to Pensacola. Uh, but I just, I love everything about Florida. I Florida. Mm, love you. Casey says, the ultra left is getting crazier and crazier. Yes, it's true. Is it possible that some of them are agents provocateurs? Well, that's what it always comes down to with them. There's always this debate. It's like, how many of them are just useful idiots? Like these, the the gender pronoun kids and you know, the the sort of 16 year old or the Antifa drug addict, whack job, like they're just foot soldiers that are useful idiots who are being manipulated. Then you have people like AOC who are just, I think actors and you know, they just want to destroy things because they're self-absorbed socialist, collectivist weirdos. then you have like the true believers in, in that worldview. So you have like a Bernie Sanders is like a true believer in communism and socialism. I, I don't think he's faking it. I think he actually just believes in these bad ideas, but I think it's a big combination. And in some ways I don't even think it matters. I mean, that's why I always bring up the road to hell thing. It doesn't matter if your intentions are good. If your intentions are good, but the results are always evil. The results are always more destruction more poverty, more homelessness, more crime, more cities burned to the ground, less freedom. Then I don't care if you're intentionally doing it, unintentionally doing it. You know, the best we can do is model a better life for people. So eventually, as they've just wallowed in their own crapulence, as Mr. Burns would say, as they've done that long enough, they might look over there and go, boy you know that other group of people those red state people the florida people the texas people the tennessee people uh, those conservative leaning people boy they seem happier and they usually wear clothes that fit and they seem like they have jobs and they get their hair cut every now and again and they have girlfriends and boyfriends and families and dogs and they're not always screaming about everything and they smile every now and again and they seemingly are doing something okay maybe i'll look into that so that's how we defeat these guys. But yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a combo of bad guys, bad actors, grifters. It's like a whole mixed bag of things. Purdue says, if you could interview any two people, who would you want? And uh, I noticed before we started the show, we already had an element ready for this one. You dirty dog. You guys may remember this. Yes, that is what that's got to be like four or five years ago. Uh, That is Blair White to the left, uh, trans advocate, I guess, Blair White, you could call her. And Candace Owens, who was, that's like pre-Candace Owens, Candace Owens. When Candace Owens was, uh, she was a YouTuber known as Red Pill Black. There was some controversy around her at the time. Surprise, surprise with Candace. And I moderated this debate between the two of them. If you have not seen this and you've got some time today and a bottle of booze, you should watch it i mean basically they just scream at each other for two hours and you could see i'm just looking back and forth like what have i done with my life however i will say it ended up being a great day because it was the first time that i ever trended on twitter the hashtag save dave because people we were live streaming it and people were just watching me like what am i doing so i trended on twitter that was fun and, uh, you know, look, I, Candace has become a, a very dear friend to me. It was it was just like one of those moments. It was one of those moments I woke up that morning. I thought we were going to have like this interesting debate and it devolved into craziness. So I've already done the interview of two people that I would like to. Who would I really like to sit down if I could have two people? Well, flashing back to the previous question. Right now, if there was one, two people that I could sit down with and actually do some work with, it's Trump and DeSantis, obviously. And it's not even because I think there's even tension between them. I don't. I actually don't think there is. My guess is they probably really like each other. I think maybe Trump has a little bit of jealousy related to DeSantis or something. But I think they basically, they wanna live in the same country. They wanna fight for the same things for the most part. Um, but it needs to be hashed out. And since I like both of them, I've interviewed both of them. Man, what a great sit down that would be. And guys, let's just work this thing out. Let's look at the real enemy here, the real problem here. Let's take that thing out. Let's build a great country. And, uh, you know, just because only one person can be called president. And again, I say all this, not even knowing if Trump wants to be president again. There's no doubt about that. I have no idea, honestly, no idea if DeSantis even wants to do it. I know the guy loves Florida and wants to keep fixing Florida. And I can tell you as a new Floridian, I want this state to stay strong. And the state in many ways, your state, means more than, than the, it doesn't mean more than the country, but if done right, America done right, what happens in your state will affect your life more than what the federal government does. And we should all be focusing on that. Janzy says, hey, Dave, the more I see Rand Paul, the more I like him. What are your thoughts on him doing a presidential run or VP for someone? So first, obviously I like Rand Paul a lot, right? Rand Paul is as close as you are gonna get to a true libertarian in the United States government. He does not want the government doing much. He does not want us going to wars. He wants low taxes. He does not want a surveillance state. He cares about civil liberties. He cares about the constitution. Obviously, I've interviewed him many, many times. He's welcome on the show anytime. So sometimes they just call us and they say, hey, uh, Senator Paul would like to talk about something. You got 15 minutes. That's why we've been doing all these interviews with him. Um, So obviously, I I think he's a great guy. And, and he cares about the right things. You know, he's run for president at least once. Has he done it twice? If I'm not mistaken, it was all, it was only one time. It was 2016 was the only time. So 2016, when Trump was running, he was running as a Republican. And if you remember, like, you know, they had Ted Cruz running and Marco Rubio and and a whole bunch of other people. And of course his father, Rand Paul, uh, Ron Paul ran twice before that and really was sort of the the original Bernie in terms of like a grassroots movement, it happened to be on the right, so they called it racist and everything else. Um, but he was up there when Trump was running and he was talking about all of the libertarian stuff. And what I always felt about him was I couldn't really, there weren't a lot of jokes, you know what, I'd be live tweeting the debates and stuff. There weren't a lot of jokes I could make about him besides his hair is a little funny. Uh, it was mostly like, oh, you're just kind of on the wrong stage because as a, as a libertarian you know, you're know, you not exactly what a Republican is. But I can tell you as someone that is sort of new to this side, and as you guys know, I'm, I'm a newly registered Republican here in Florida, the, the Republicans, the conservatives, they need a strong libertarian wing within the party. So he has that work to do there. I would include Ted Cruz close to that as well. He is more on the libertarian side of the conservative party. That's strong, it's something I really deeply care about. Uh, but to directly answer your question, My guess is he's not gonna run for president again. Um, I don't think he would honestly see a path to to the presidency. However, would I absolutely love him potentially as VP? Probably, I don't think they would go for him on that either. Um, But would I love to see him in the administration, whether it was a Trump administration or DeSantis administration or whatever? Yes, of course. Could he possibly be something like attorney general? Probably. Um, Are There there are many, many ways they can uh, use him. And by the way, One of the reasons that I really came around to Trump was because uh, Rand Paul became one of his biggest defenders. So over the four years that Trump was president, Rand Paul was often out there doing the anti-war stuff, uh, doing the low tax stuff, the state's rights stuff, and was defending Trump. And I was like, well, let me get this straight. All right, I had my reservations about Trump early on, obviously, but the one senator who I agree with the most in terms of the things that I care about the most, he's his biggest defender. So maybe there's something there. So yeah, we shall see. Nick says, how do you get so lucky? How did you get so lucky as to meet the love of your life on your birthday of all days? It must have been the best gift to find a partner in this brave new world to help navigate your journey through politics with and now... Fatherhood, PS, happy early 46. Yes, it's true. Uh, David and I met on my birthday. I think it was 13 years ago. It'll be 13 years ago on Sunday. We actually met on my birthday, wild. Believe it or not, I'm not proud of this part. It actually was at uh, New York City Gay Pride, okay? And I just wanna be clear about something. First off, gay pride should not be a month. Gay is not something to be proud of either, either is straight. Uh, but there were, at some point before marriage equality and all that, it was very different. It wasn't about chopping off penises and chopping off boobs and all of the weird shit that it's about now and gender pronouns and everything else. There was a sense of like fight for marriage equality. Let's get us to be equal and then let's move on. So me in my life, I've moved on. The people that I associate with who happen to be gay have moved on. It's only these activist freaks and the whack jobs in the media and, and the lefty politicians who are pushing this stuff. So it used to be sort of a celebration and a a place to meet people and things like that. And yes, we met uh, at, uh, it was at Cowgirl Bar in the West Village on Gay Pride. And David was wearing an American flag uh, tank top. So it was meant to be, it was meant to be. Alinda says, hello, Dave. Alinda from Virginia here. If you were granted only one wish, one order, what would you change in our government right now that would make a huge impact for our country? Oh, there's a lot of ones that I could do there, but I would demolish the Department of Education. Gone, tomorrow, like that. You all, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You people have ruined so much of the country. So much of everything that's wrong with everything right now, it starts with education. Kids don't know what basic liberties are. They don't know about the constitution. They don't know basic math anymore. We talk talk to them more about gender and sexuality than having financial literacy. I mean, just the freaking basics. The idea that there is a Department of Education, a federal department that is overseeing state education is crazy. And by the way, it's crumbling in real time as we speak. And there are many, many states now that are starting to fund students instead of funding systems, which is wonderful, meaning you'll get some money as a parent. And if you want to send them to a you know a public school, so be it if you have good public schools in your area as I did growing up and I only went to public schools, or if you wanna send them to a private secular school or a private religious school or whatever it might be. And by the way, you know, the Supreme Court is laying out a bunch of uh, uh, verdicts this week, basically, a bunch of the the answers to what's all these questions that we've got right now, and it's possible that the Roe v Wade thing is gonna be resolved tomorrow, which, uh, well, resolved, not really resolved. We'll get an answer on it and then the fire will begin. Um, but they did just drop one yesterday about school choice. And they are gonna let people, once they fund the student, if you wanna send your kid to a religious school, so be it, so be it. Uh, And it's all good. That's choice, people. Tony says, Dave, put yourself in the Democrats' shoes for a moment. If Biden doesn't run in 2024, who do you think they end up running? So first off, there is no chance Biden is running. There is no chance. I do not think he will finish the term. We are only a year and a half into this thing. That means we have two and a half more years of this. The guy barely can complete a sentence. It's a freaking disaster. Um, I think the progressives are happy about this because everything that he's destroying for them is the proof point that capitalism doesn't work. It's the proof point that democracy doesn't work. So I think they are thrilled right now. They they are salivating. They are chomping at the bit that Biden is destroying this thing far faster than even Bernie could have destroyed it. Uh, but That being said, they are going to be way more radical. So it's like the obvious choice is okay, they just throw Kamala out there. Um, My guess, my guess, because we're in the show must go on version of democracy right now. You just need things that feed the beast. You just need things that keep eyeballs on things so that we can't think about what's really going on. My guess is it's gonna be Michelle Obama. That really would not surprise me. They'll just slide her in there. Everyone will start talking about it. And next thing you know, Biden's too old. Barack's gonna go on 60 Minutes. Well, he's lost a step or two. And uh, next thing you know, the, that'll be that. Biden will be pushed away. Uh, hopefully, they'll jail Jill Biden because, uh, you know, I think she's basically a criminal at this point because, you know, she's they've got him on drugs, right? They've got him on drugs. There's no doubt about it. So there is a scandal here. And the thing is, the truth, you can't hide the truth. You can't hide the truth. So one day, when he's gone and the system doesn't need him anymore, it's going to take out a lot of people because would it not be a massive scandal if it was known? that the president of the United States has a mentally compromising disease and it's being hidden by a whole bunch of people, including his wife, the doctor, and they're drugging him and they put him down to bed at 3 p.m. and they let him come out for a few minutes and how they grab him away from reporters and all of those things. So my guess, it'll be something like Michelle Obama, but you know, it could be gay Pete, could be gay Pete. Give me one more, you guys got a favorite Democrat you wanna throw in there? Oprah. Oprah, could be Oprah. Connor, give me something. Cory Booker, Corey Booker, ladies and gentlemen, in case you want a guy that just cries at the drop of a dime. Sandra says, we're going to be in Miami area next month looking for restaurant recommendations. We preferred laid back versus fancy schmancy. Um, well, as I said, we haven't gone out that much because we like to cook and, uh, No, I'm not going to tell them to go to Hillstone. Yes, that's all. the only place I go, honestly. I go to Hillstone. You know Hillstone? It's Houston's Hillstone. I've talked about it on the show once or twice. It's a a bit of a chain. I just love them. That freaking Hawaiian ribeye. My God, there's nothing better on Earth. Um, We've taken, uh, where'd we go? For uh, Michael's birthday, we went to uh, Key Club down in Coconut Grove. We did do that. That's, That's a little more on the fancy side. I'll give you one. If you want just great pizza, I know that people say you can't get pizza in Miami. That's what they're telling me. Oh, you wrote it before, I was gonna say it before you even wrote it on there. Mr, is it Mr. 01, right? It's Mr. 01 Pizza. They've got one down in Coconut Grove and I think they've got one somewhere a little more north in Miami. They have a pizza, believe it or not, there's coffee on the pizza. They do coffee grinds and then they put honey on the pizza and I get it, it's not a New York slice thrown at you by a greasy guy, eat your pizza. It's not that, it's a little more um, evolved but it is quite delicious and you can sit outside or inside. You'll dig it, Mr. O-1 Pizza. Uh, Big Poppy says, given what we now know about Andrew Gilliam, what do you think Florida would have looked like with him at the helm when COVID struck? So if you didn't hear about this, so Andrew Gilliam is the Democrat who Ron DeSantis beat by 30,000 votes for governor a couple of years back, uh, who not only turned out to be a meth addict having orgies, but he has now been indicted like 30 counts in a federal indictment, and he's gonna probably spend a good portion of his life in jail. We were that wire fraud, whole bunch of stuff. We were that close. I mean, 30,000 votes, that is nothing. We were that close to this state, turning blue, being locked down the exact same way that New York and California and a bunch of the others were. And it is by the grace of God and 30,000 people that that did not happen and then what happened is that Ron DeSantis then did the right thing. I mean, that the, the beauty of the Ron DeSantis story is although he was a Congressman before and he was in the military before and a lawyer and all those things, it's like he really became a leader overnight and became the guy that we now all know. And so many of you are supporting and looking at as sort of the holy grail of politicians, uh, not, in a, not in a worship way, because I know you guys like me don't worship politicians, but like, oh, there is someone who's not evil. <laughs> involved in politics, how refreshing, right? Um, what do I think would have happened to, to Florida? I mean, I think it would be exactly in the same place that New York and Cali are. And I think we, if you were to look at the migration maps, where we've seen all of the U-Hauls going from Cali going this way, and all of the uh, U-Hauls from New York going that way, I think you would have seen a lot of people fleeing. Florida as well. And I think the economic situation would be very different. I can tell you that the four of us in this room right now would not be living here. We'd be living in Tennessee, guys. Or we'd be living in Texas. Yeehaw. That's what we'd be doing. You got boots? I'd like to see you in, uh, Michael. You don't have boots? You don't have cowboy boots? I'll tell you a funny story about cowboy boots. Michael and I go to Tennessee like a year ago to Nashville when The Daily Wire moved out there. And I said, you know what? I'm on The Daily Wire. I'm on Candace's new show tonight. It was, like, it was either her first or second show. Say, I'm going go to go uh, to Tennessee and I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to get cowboy boots, right? Everyone's got cowboy boots. So we go to the main drag there in Nashville. What's it called? That main street? That main street and you've seen it. Everyone's seen it. You know, it's sort of like the Times Square of Nashville and there's a million boot shops. We walk into the boot shop looking at all the boots. I see this pair of boots. I'm like, those are the boots that I'm going to wear. So I put on the boots and I realized, and the woman was laughing at me, I came from L.A., And in LA, you wear jeans that are, you know, kind of tight to the leg, the the slim straight fit. I don't go slim fit like I'm a wafy 16 year old girl, but I'm doing a slim straight jean. And I could not get the boot on. And then for the first time in my life, I understood what the boot cut was. I never really put it together. The boot cut, Phoenix, did you know this? You're a little younger. Did you know that the boot cut is legitimately for a boot to fit on your, yeah. Speaking of boots, another thing that happened was Michael once broke his foot and had to wear the boot You know the boot when these people are, uh, when they break their foot and we made a lot of fun of him for that. Uh, Okay, was it Christina's Boots? That was the name of the store? No BS show, Christina, she likes boots. Oh, Christina likes boots? Who's Christina? She's a fan. Christina's a fan. I'm being told that Christina, who is a fan, enjoys boots. (laughs) Okay, Robin says, is David still planning on creating his cookbook? I'll be the first in line to buy. Yes. There is a very preliminary version of it out there, you know, because of the move and because of the construction and because of the babies and everything. I was like, it's just getting delayed and delayed. We are working on it. And I'm going to see if maybe, you know, I want to work on a third book, which I've been sketching out a little bit. But I'm thinking maybe I delay that so we can work on this thing together and make it happen. Um, But, uh, yes, he's working on it. And if you have not followed along, I guess you have. Uh, but you can go to davidscookbook.com and you can see his amazing whole chicken that people love. It's Megan Kelly's favorite chicken. You can see the cast iron pick, uh, chicken parm. You can see some uh, some of the not fried fried wings and a whole bunch more. Talway says with your annual off the grid barely over a month away, man, what a year! What are some of the ideas you have to celebrate it in your new state of freedom? Have you received any invitations? I mean, first off, I haven't had a second to even think about it this year. We're not gonna go away. You know, we usually go away, but because uh, baby number one is pretty close to being born, like we have to be close and, you know, we're, we've are we been spending money like crazy with the rebuilds and babies coming and everything else. Like we're not doing anything crazy this year. We're gonna hunker down, we'll hang out here and then we're gonna get the call and life will change and, uh, and it's all good. Um, so... Yeah, we're just gonna kind of relax, but I haven't had a moment to think about the off the grid thing. This one will be a little different than others. David usually does like mostly off the grid with me. He does it in terms of news and everything else, but he does check his phone once or twice a day for family updates, that kind of thing. This year, he's gonna have to have it on a little bit earlier in case we get a call from the surrogate or the the OBGYN, et cetera. Um, I will not do any news. I'm not gonna do any media intake or any of that stuff. Um, but obviously there'll be a little bit more maybe with phone calls and congratulations and texts and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, yes, I will still come back September 1st, not knowing anything that's going on. Uh, and as I've been saying, probably uh, they say it ages you. It ages you 10 years overnight having a child. So did the best I could for as long as I could. You know, really did. Guys, if you'd like to ask questions in our next community Q&A, you can go to com. By the way, uh, my stand-up special, Don't Say Dave. It is free for annual subscribers. And if you're an annual subscriber, you get two months free. Oh, look at that with the image. You are on point today, man. Uh, so you can go to rubenreport.locals.com, And if you want to just uh, buy the special one time only, uh, it is uh, $9.99, which you can do right over there. That is the content plus feature that we built out on Locals, which is really crushing it, by the way. That's where uh, Dinesh D'Souza launched 2,000 mules. And I don't just talk about this stuff, guys. We are building the alternate pipes of the internet. Tomorrow is Friday, so we've got a roundtable extravaganza. We've got Libby Emmons from Postmillennial. We've got Chad Prather from The Blaze and Jeffrey Tucker, uh, who is a fabulous economist who I've had on a couple times. And I said to my guys, man, he hasn't been on for like two years. Tell you something about Jeffrey Tucker. You're going to enjoy him tomorrow. Watch my interview. I've had him on a few times, but the interview that I did with him like a couple weeks into COVID, where he was one of the people that got it right from beat one. you never give up your rights. You do not lock down. You do not do mandates. You do not stop people from working. You do not close schools. He just got it right and I believe credit is due. So I will be giving him some credit tomorrow. uh, I gotta get out of here because I'm doing an event in Fort Lauderdale uh, in an hour or two with uh, Governor DeSantis and a few other red state governors. They're all coming to Florida to talk about what, what's going on in the world and how can we fix things. Uh, so I think I'm emceeing, I'm I think, or I'm chatting with people or eh, who knows, I'm doing something. Anyway, we got a cold close for you. Uh, Joe Biden, ladies and
1: gentlemen, see you tomorrow. Try to remember what it was that first got you involved in politics to begin with. I remember for me what it was. I got involved in politics for two reasons, There's only two at the front end of my career, civil rights, and the environment. Voting rights, voting rights, voting rights. That's how I got involved in politics. We ended that damn war. That's why I ran the Vietnam War. That's what got me involved in politics in the first place, thing called redlining. I got involved in politics because of the poor and the disadvantaged. I got involved to try to stop the construction of that highway, which I did. That's what got me involved. I quit the law firm and asked for a job to become a public defender. That's what sort of got me involved in politics i got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists the ku klux klan it's all about family it's all about community and it really is that's what got pete engaged That's what got him involved that's what got me involved. i got involved in politics because of the neighborhood i came from the reason why uh, i got involved in politics the reason why the president i ran the president got involved is the one primary role for government is to protect people. I was at the uh, signing the Voting Rights Act. It's been the only constant in my entire political career. That's what got me involved in politics. And I got involved because my state was the only state in the union when Dr. King was murdered that was occupied by the National Guard. I ran for public office because of the burning, uh, how can I say it, the almost bile that was in my throat about watching Bull Connor's dogs on television in the 50s. These same issues relating to what constitutes uh, um, decency and honor in this country. Uh, it's just the thing that got me involved in public life to begin with. The confluence of those sort of basic values, the things everybody has to overcome in their life, and what you in fact, basically liked naturally, all seemed to, in retrospect, move me in a direction that uh, um, got me involved in public issues and public life. My political hero got me involved in politics. there's A lot of great men and the two Kennedy brothers who were deceased were great. Folks, it's simple. That's why I got involved in the first place.